today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Whatever your heart is full of, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. So you don't look at someone and say, man, I can't believe that just came out of your mouth. Well, it didn't. It came out of my heart. My mouth just, <laughs> just is that too graphic? I won't uh, take that any further, but I think you get the point. It's really a matter of the heart. What's in your heart? Is it full of bitterness? Well, then that's what's going to come out. Everything that comes out of your mouth will just be bitter because that's what's in your heart. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. What is your heart filled with? As you listen to today's message from Pastor J.D., he teaches you that out of the mouth, the heart speaks. You can learn a lot about someone's heart condition by what they say. Make sure that your heart is stored up with the fruit of the Spirit so that joy, peace, and love comes out. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1, right out of the chute. This is a doozy. Solomon writes, and again, if it's going to sound a little bit like the Proverbs, that's because it's a little bit like the Proverbs. You got these pithy Proverbs, just kind of rapid fire. And starting in verse 1, he says, Dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give off a foul odor. So does a little folly to one respected for wisdom and honor. A little bit of the backstory here to get a better understanding. I think it'll be germane to our understanding. You have to understand that in that day, only the very wealthy could ever afford a bottle of perfume. And so here Solomon is describing this very expensive bottle of perfume with such a high value, and yet it is ruined, it is spoiled, it is marred, because there are dead flies in it. And instead of being fragrant, the odor is pugnant and foul. Now, what's he saying? He's saying that basically one small act of foolishness is like those flies in that expensive bottle of perfume. It will ruin one's reputation, one that was highly valued and esteemed and seen as being wise. It only takes one act of foolishness. Think about it like this. There are people that, I mean... (laughs) They've lived a really remarkable life, and they're known for it. But in the end, the only thing you'll remember about them is when they fell. And it's like it negates everything else. They were wise and mightily used even by God, but there was that one foolish act of rebellion and sin and disobedience and it just marred the whole thing, ruined the whole thing. Verse 2, a wise man's heart 
is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Here again, we need to have a better understanding of the backstory and the cultural dynamics in that day. And it's really much the same today. In fact, we have a saying today, my right hand man. And that basically comes from the Bible. And oh, by the way, we're going to see a couple more times where sayings, modern day sayings, I think we're going to be shocked if we're ever told how many of the modern day sayings actually came from God's Word. That's where that saying came from, my right hand man. Because see, in the Middle Eastern culture, the right hand is a symbol of strength. Of Jesus, we're told that He's seated at the right hand of the Father. The right hand is superior, the left hand inferior. In fact, you know how the name is the nature in Hebrew, and really in my native tongue of Arabic, you name the child according to their nature. Listen, if I'd have known that when my boys were born, my two sons, I would not have named them Elias and Levi. I would have named them Search and Destroy, because that was their nature growing up. Anyway, I digress. So the name Benjamin is the nature, because Benjamin in Hebrew is Ben-Yamin, son Ben-Yamin, right. And it's the same word in, in my native tongue of Arabic. Il-Alyumin, right, Ishmael, left. So when I say right hand, I'm saying strength, Benjamin, son of my strength, son of my right hand. And if I refer to the left, again, just symbolically, by the way, if you're left-handed, God bless you. This is not about that. This is a symbolic and parabolic dynamic here. But left is inferior and right is superior. Now let's try to unpack what Solomon's saying here in verse 2. What he's saying is, that foolishness leads us into an inferior life. Wisdom, conversely, leads us into a superior life. Either right, strength, or left, weak. Right, superior, left, inferior. Verse 3, even when a fool walks along the way. Forgive me for chuckling. I think you're going to chuckle too here in a moment. So even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom. He's a fool. So that would make sense. And this is where it gets kind of humorous. And he shows everyone that he is a fool. In other words, a fool will ultimately and eventually be on full display. Maybe not initially, but eventually. So here's the fool. He leaves the house. He goes on his way. <laughs> and you look at the guy and he th- well, he's a fool, but you don't know that he's a fool yet. You will. Just wait. You'll see. And sure enough, you know he's a fool. How? Oh, he opens his mouth. This is Proverbs seventeen twenty-eight. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. In other words, you got this guy, and they're just, hmm, and they don't say a word. You're like, wow, wow, that's a wise man. Look at him pondering and, you know, considering these deep 
things and hmm. And then he opens his mouth and he says something. Oh my goodness. Reminds me of a, I'm sorry if, if you've heard this before, but it's just too good. It's too funny. So this um, husband and wife are having this, you know, argument, conflict, discussion. And the wife says something to her husband and her husband looks at her and says, how can something so stupid come out of someone so beautiful? To which she responds, well, honey, God made me beautiful so you would marry me. God made me stupid so I would marry you. How about that? Okay, back to our Bible study already in progress here. <laughs> so, so I mean, you look at them and you think, wow, they must be so wise. And then you hear them talk and you're like, oh my goodness, they're not wise at all. I can't believe they just said that. Did, did they just really say that? Oh yes, they did. I like how one famously said it. It's better to keep your mouth shut and appear stupid than to open it and remove all doubt. That's what Solomon's saying. Jesus said it like this, Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 45. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. And here's why. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. In other words, this is not a mouth problem. This is a heart problem. Because out of the abundance of one's heart, the mouth speaks. I heard a great illustration. It goes like this. So you got this bucket, and you're carrying it, and it is full to the brim. And all it takes is just one jolt, one bump. So somebody comes along and bumps you, cuts you off in traffic. What's going to come spilling out? Whatever is inside. If it's full of anger... Guess what's going to come out of your mouth? Anger. What's your heart full of? Whatever your heart is full of, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. So you don't look at someone and say, man, I can't believe that just came out of your mouth. Well, it didn't. It came out of my heart. My mouth just... (laughs) Is is that too graphic? I won't uh, take that any further, but I think you get the point. It's really a matter of the heart. What's in your heart? Is it full of bitterness? Well, then that's what's going to come out. Everything that comes out of your mouth will just be bitter, because that's what's in your heart. How about this? Let's flip it around. If your heart is full of love, kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and meekness, and, you know, all the fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians, then is that not what's going to come out? No matter Who bumps into you, or better said, who cuts you off in traffic? What's going to come out is what's in your heart. And that's what Solomon is saying. Verse 4, if the spirit of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post, for conciliation pacifies great offenses. In other words, you've got a boss and he's a fool. (laughs) your boss is a fool. Does does that not, every boss is a fool, right? So what are you going to do? Quit? Leave in a huff? Well, I quit. Okay, you can do that. You might want to rethink that. 
verse 5, there is an evil I have seen under the sun as an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity while the rich sit in a lowly place. I have seen servants on horses while princes walk on the ground like servants. Talk about an upside down world. That ain't right, as we like to say. That ain't right. No, it's not right. It's wrong. The the world is wrong. That's upside down. That's because the world is upside down. Well, that's not right. You've got a, a prince walking on the ground like a servant. You got the servant on horses like a prince. It's backwards. It's upside down. Well, what are you going to do about it? Well, we need to turn that right side up. Well, have fun. It ain't going to happen. Again, it's an exercise in futility. And this is what Solomon is saying here. He's basically saying this. Okay, it's upside down. It ain't right. Build a bridge and get over it. Because if you don't, you're never going to have a job. Because if the only way you're going to stay in that job is if your boss isn't a fool, well, you're not going to have a job. Because the boss in this upside down world is a fool. So you got to deal with it. A conciliation. You know, it's one of those things where you say, okay, I know this ain't right. And I don't know how he got in that position, but he's not qualified for that position. But I'm under his authority. And my employment position is under his position. This is kind of like what we saw in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, I think it was. Might have been 8. I got the memory of a gnat. What's my name again? Don't tell me. I'll figure it out. Where Solomon says that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. Time and chance happen to them all. In other words, there's no guarantees. So it is what it is. Now, it's not so much that it is like that. It's how are you going to react to that? The onus is on you. I mean, so your boss is a jerk. Just as I said that, some of you are going, (laughs) I roll. (laughs) I mean, so he's a jerk. Yeah, of course he's a jerk. Okay, fine. Well, what are you going to do? Quit? I wouldn't do that. I'd build a bridge and get over it. That's wisdom. Verse 8, He who digs a pit will fall into it, and whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. He who quarries stones, verse 9, may be hurt by them, and he who splits wood may be endangered by it. Got four examples here. You got somebody building a pit or digging a pit. Be careful. You don't want to fall into the pit that you're digging. You got somebody that's breaking through a wall. Be careful because there are snakes in those walls that can come out and bite you. Be careful. You're quarrying stone. Be careful because you don't want to be injured by the crushing weight of that stone. Or you're splitting wood. Be careful because there's a danger of getting a splinter from that wood that you're splitting. What's the point? They all have in common this principle of an abundance of caution. You've doubtless heard this saying, if you're going to err, err on the side of an abundance of caution. There are some times and some cases and some situations where you cannot be too careful. 
because of the danger. And there's this discernment and this acknowledging of the potential for danger, and it requires a response of caution. Be cautious. Be cautious. Verse 10. This is interesting. If the axe is dull, go out and buy a new one. No, it doesn't say that. And one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. This is an interesting picture painted here. You've got this brute strength with a dull saw. You have to work infinitely harder to do that which could be done so much easier, so much quicker, were that saw but sharpened. Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying, Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. Think about that. That's wisdom. you got six hours to cut down a tree, and you're looking at that saw, and it's dull. Well, that's going to take me 12 hours. But if I sharpen it, it's only going to take me two hours. i got six hours? I'm going to sharpen it for four. It's only going to take me two hours with a sharp saw. Let's um, take this nugget, it's a nugget, and let's apply it to our lives spiritually. Stay with me. I wonder how much in our own Christian lives have we been dulled. We're dull. We're not sharp. And is it no wonder that when we face life's struggles, life's problems, we're not sharp enough to cut through, break through, and deal with it. And when adversity strikes, and adversity strikes, and my saw, spiritual saw, is not sharp, I'm in for the long haul. (laughs) This is going to take a long time. It's going to be grueling. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. As I say this, maybe somebody will come to mind in your life. I hope somebody comes to your mind in your life as a great spiritual example and role model. But think about those Christians that you know, that when adversity strikes, man, they just cut through. They're so sharp, spiritually sharp. They were ready for it. They were steady and ready. And when, not if, it happens, I mean, they just glide through like a hot knife and through butter. And (laughs) that butter for you, it's frozen. (laughs) Forget hot knife. Hot knife, hot schmife. That thing ain't cutting through like that. It's effortless. Well, that didn't just come by accident. No, they spent hours sharpening the saw of their spiritual life. So it looks effortless. And they, and they make those trials look easy. They're kind of like, man, bring it on. And then you're like, no, don't bring it on. I, I, I'm down for the count. If that were to happen to me, I would never be able to handle it or bear up under it. And by the way, God knows that. That's First Corinthians 10, 13, isn't it? Oh, we love to quote it. I think sometimes we don't truly understand it because basically the Apostle Paul says that God will not try us or tempt us. Same word in the original. 
a trial is a temptation and a temptation is a trial. So no temptation, no trial is going to overcome you, but such as is common to man. And God will provide a way of escape in and through that trial and temptation so that you'll be able to bear up under it. We simplify it and say it like this, God will never give you more than you can handle, right? Why are you looking at me like that? Don't you hate it when you're going through the trial of your life and somebody says, God won't give you more than you can handle? I know that. And they, they start quoting Scripture. Like, really? Like, I don't know that Scripture? Two. And look at you. No wonder. Easy for you to be happy and have joy. Everything's going well for you. Anyway, I didn't mean to go off on that, but I think you get the point. Have you ever thought about it like this? Okay, we, we always couch in terms of adversity. God will not give you more adversity than you can handle. But have you ever thought about it like this? God will not give you more prosperity than you can handle either. And He knows how much we can handle. See, God knows that were He to give some of His people that much, it would derail them, even destroy them. They couldn't handle it. And God is never going to be party to our failure and faltering and sin and disobedience. He's not going to do that. He does not tempt with evil. So He's never going to give us more prosperity than we can handle, but neither is He going to give us more adversity than we can handle. But think about it like this. Maybe you can handle this, and maybe they can handle that, and you're comparing your life with them, your trials with theirs, and you're looking at their life thinking, man, oh, look at them. Man, I don't think I could do as well as they're doing if that happened to me. Well, that's because God knew that you couldn't. So <laughs> you're going to get this trial, and compared to that trial, I remember when our daughter Noel died, and man, those were some deep, deep times with the Lord. Just profound truths that He ministered to me in those times. Truths that He could have never otherwise ministered to me had it not been for that. And it was in one of those times where I'm just crying out to Him in my grief. I mean, just deep, deep grief. And basically he ministered to me this, I gave you her because I knew you could handle this. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. One of the biggest lessons we learn from Ecclesiastes is this. You can have everything the world has to offer. The money, the most desirable job, the perfect family. But at the end of the day, none of those things truly matter. The only lasting thing that matters is who you put your hope in. All the riches in the world will never bring you the happiness you seek. Only Jesus can give you that. So seek Him. Maybe today you're hearing about Jesus for the first time. If that's the case, we have a resource we'd like to point you to. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of salvation. This will give you the basics of what it means to be a Christian and why it's so important to give your life to Jesus. 
If you have any questions, please connect with us by clicking on contact under about. Or come visit us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. All the information you need is at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings from many books of the Bible at our website too. Or download our mobile app to listen wherever you are, whenever you want. We'd also like to invite you to check out Pastor J.D.'s weekend update, the Mid-East Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible. You'll find these updates on our mobile app as well as on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.